Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. And today in the studio is Kathleen Toth, who is the president of the board for Nuzzles & Co. And that's a nonprofit organization that focuses on rescuing pets and finding new homes for them. What she talks about in this interview is how they really go the extra mile to discover what is best for this pet. They have trainers that uh, train their staff and really discover again what is going to be the next best home for these pets. And then as she talks about it, her staff are really matchmakers trying to match the pet's needs with the needs of the pet owners. And so it's a wonderful story about what they're trying to do to match up these pets that need a home and those who are looking for a pet in their home. And she also even talks about how they're exceeding national standards for what they're doing of how they care for their pets. So as you listen to this, I think you'll be inspired. Enjoy the show today. Kathleen, it's great to have you in the studio. Good morning. Thank you for having me. You bet. We're going to jump right into um, what you do. And there is a growing number of animal shelters and organizations that are committed to a no-kill philosophy. Now, just to make sure listeners who are listening to this understand what that means, talk about what does it mean to be a no-kill philosophy for your organization, and why is that so important to Nuzzles & Co.? Well, the terminology no-kill actually has been used loosely by a lot of organizations, um, and so there have only recently been a national standard uh, defining what no-kill is, and that's come out of uh, Maddie's fund, and that standard is that no healthy, adoptable, treatable animal will be euthanized. Uh, so it's started with healthy, treatable animals at this point. That's correct. That's correct. Um, we at Nuzzles & Co. go above that standard. Uh, we have an exceptional medical team at our rescue ranch at Brown, in Browns Canyon and a state-of-the-art medical clinic. And so often cases that would not be considered treatable are treated by us. And for example, we recently rescued a dog that had been hit by a car and his leg was so badly crushed that it would need to be amputated. Now, conceivably, um, that animal could have been euthanized and still have been considered, you know, not euthanized by a no-kill organization because that was, you know, an exceptional circumstance in amputation and rehabilitation and recuperation. Sure. We absolutely consider that a treatable um, injury and so we treat illness and we treat injuries and for us and as a board and an organization we really did some soul searching around what does no kill mean for us there's the national standard uh, that is out there but we want to take it above that and for us you know if an animal is dying and would otherwise suffer 
and there is no there's nothing more that we can do there's no medication that can provide um you know healing opportunity and you know we've we've foreclosed all opportunities for the animal and you know at that point the most humane thing would be to euthanize the animal and in many cases we put ourselves in in the shoes of if this was you know my beloved pet of 15 or 16 years and we reached this point where you know we've tried everything we've provided medication and and rehabilitation and you know it's clear that you know this disease is going to take the animal's life and they're going to suffer then at that point we won't allow the animal to suffer so if you've exhausted all options and really there aren't any other options except for humanely treating them and euthanizing them that's when you make that decision yes um, because we don't quality of life is very important and we don't want an animal to suffer um, if it is inevitable that they're not going to survive either their illness, their disease, or their injury. Makes sense. And how many other uh, organizations like yours around the state or maybe around the country have that same kind of elevated philosophy, if you will? You go beyond national standards. How many people are you kind of unique among uh, organizations like this? You know, I think that there are a lot of organizations, um, grassroots organizations, that uh, provide that kind of care and that really invest in individual animals that way. I think we probably do it on a bigger scale than anybody else because we are we're growing. We've rescued over 1400 animals last year. We're I was going to ask you that 1400 animals last year. Yes. That's remarkable. It is remarkable. Um it's, you know, I mean, I think this community should be incredibly proud of this nonprofit that they have nurtured and supported for 26 years because we are out there making a huge difference, not only for Summit County, which we've kept no kill for many years now successfully, but all over Utah. And um, for example, last year, we really focused on increasing our adoptions and trying to solve the issue of overpopulation that way. I mean, the equation has two sides. Either you work the spay-neuter side, or you work the adoption side, or in our case, we work both sides. But when we really examined this organization and what we have, our resources lent itself to really working the adoption side. And so that's where we put our focus. I mean, we have the hottest real estate in Park City. We're in Tanger Outlets. That's where our adoption it's center is. It's a great is. spot. It's a great spot. It's a great spot for all of Summit County, but Salt Lake people come up and you know as far away as Weber County and Lehigh and Provo so it's a great centrally located spot in a really busy mall that's easy to get to nice parking wonderful access and so that's where we really focused on increasing our adoption number so in 2014 we saved 830 animals in 2015 we saved 1400 animals so our wow so it's growing yeah, our adoptions went up 60% in 2015. That's fantastic. Yeah, here's the great news. We just calculated, we've saved over 430 animals already in 2016. Our adoption numbers are up 40% over the 60% last year. Wow. Which means 100% increase since 2014. So where are these people, you say they're coming from everywhere, not just from Park City or Summit County. These people are coming from all across the state. Is that correct? Yes. 
Uh-huh. And how are they hearing about it? Is it online? Is it through? I know we, if you live in Park City, you have the park record and you have these great pictures of these, you know, cute pets to adopt. You know, every uh, weekend you see it. But where are they finding out online? Do they go to your website? Where are they finding out about these wonderful pets? I think we have a really active social media page. Um, and, you know, that was built and supported by the Parkites. I mean, they really helped get that launched. But now if you look, you know, where we're getting comments from, they are from all over uh, the Wasatch Front as well. And, you know, one of the things that we have been doing is we've been rescuing Summit County is our priority. We must keep Summit County no-kill. And once we were able to successfully do that year after year, then we started reaching out to other shelters that have no resources and no help. One of those is the Tooele City Shelter. And it's a very small shelter in a very small rural community. And they euthanize. And they euthanize on a weekly basis because when that shelter gets full, when the kennels are full and another dog comes in, they have to make room and so they euthanize and they euthanize using a gas chamber because those are still legal in utah and a lot of these small shelters have them and so you know that's an example we reached out to Tooele. we've been going down into the four corners area and rescuing from there and so you've become very much a regional uh, nonprofit now that are, are working across the state sounds like rescuing dogs from all over from shelters not just individuals in other words from other shelters yes dogs and cats right and um, one of the things that we said is you know we need to we're, we're rescuing we're, we're helping make Utah no kill we need to get our name out there and so we've really made a concerted effort to um, talk to people and get our name and what we do out to the rest of the state. And so, you know, we're on the radio in Salt Lake. Um, We try and do as many TV spots as possible. We've broadened our events. So we'll do Draper Days in Draper, which is a big, you know, 20, 30,000 people summer event. We'll do the Pride Festival in Salt Lake City. Um, And so, you know, we've been out as far west in Salt Lake County as Daybreak and have done adoption events out there and you know we really need to get out into some of these communities and teach them about rescue and adoption park city um, has a really great ethic when it comes to rescue and adoption and the treatment of animals and we need to spread that message that's a great point and you know here's one of the questions that occasionally will come up in blogs and in different online discussions is there ever a point where a pet becomes unadoptable if that's a word Talk about that. You know, is it whether it be health reasons or because of past behavioral issues, maybe no uh, fault of the pet and, you know, it could have been abused. Uh, But is there a point where you found that a pet is unadoptable? Well, with regard to health issues and special needs, I would say, first of all, it's amazing how many people are out there who really look for a special needs pet. And, you know, if we post a tripod cat or tripod dog on the webpage, we get four or five applications right away. I mean, there are people who really seek uh, special needs pets. Um, sometimes we get older dogs uh, and, and we can place them with seniors. We have a senior for senior program. So, you know, we have a 15 year old Shih Tzu that his owner died and he ended up at the Humane Society, completely confused and lost. So we rescued him and we brought him up and gave him a dental and cleaned up his teeth and pulled a few bad teeth and 
got him in shape and you know he's 15 so he really he was adopted by uh, a young family actually we were really marketing him to you know grandma and grandpa hang out in their condo or their assisted living center with this nice little dog but he was adopted by a family so I'm always amazed at the people who are willing to step up and take a special needs dog and I will tell you almost every single one of our staff members has one of our special needs dogs oh is that right okay it's not a requirement but they just have a heart for it sounds like they have a heart for it they make room you know I myself have a he's he he must be 50 he's you know blind he's 50 I love it you've got the <laughs> oldest dog in the world That's I have awesome. the oldest dog in the world <laughs> he great. came in with congestive heart failure he was given you know maybe two weeks a month to live and he's been with me on hospice for two years he's fat and wow. happy and wow. he gets around the house you know just fine using his nose so and That's I would say truly. we have a lot of staff members who have some of our special needs dogs. Now, with the other dogs that you know um, come in that with might more have behavioral issues, yeah, that might have some behavioral issues. I mean, first of all, it definitely is a stereotype and a stigma that we, um, with our brand and what we're and our education, we are trying to educate the community that rescue pets. Ninety-five percent of them are just animals that deserve a second chance. You know, maybe somebody got a purebred Labrador, and it was more than they can handle, and they put it in the backyard, and they thought, "Nah, you know what? This is no life for a dog. We're too busy. Let's take it to a shelter." And you know, this is a perfectly wonderful animal, and that's part of the message that we, as Nuzzles and Co., spread: is that you know, twenty-five percent of animals in the shelters are purebred. Most of them are under two. They make wonderful family pets. Some of them, either as a result of a lack of socialization or past abuse, do have come in with some issues. That's an important issue. I do think you're, you're hitting on something that I think most people do, probably in the back of their mind, think most rescue organizations have difficult dogs, behavior issue cats or whatever. There's some kind of behavioral issue. So that's good. It's like about 25% you're saying at most sounds like have behavioral issues from what the dogs and cats that you have, or maybe even less. You know, I would even say it's less than that. And then what we provide is we have a rehabilitation program. So yeah, talk about that. Yeah. How does that work? Well, sometimes, you know, a dog or a cat will come in and they're shut down. Either, you know, they've it's a cat that's been completely ignored or not treated well, or, you know, it's a dog that was tied up in the backyard, and they simply lack socialization skills. They don't know how to walk on a leash, they pull, they might even be, you know, a little nippy. Um, or they might be a cat that, you know, cowers in the back of their crate. We work with them first through a behavioral assessment where our professional staff assesses their behavior and determines, okay, this is this is fear aggression, or this, you know, um, is just, this cat is completely shut down and we just need to slowly coax them out and put them in a program where we introduce the same person to them every day. And then once they get used to that person, we introduce the second person. But it's very thoughtful and it's well thought out. And, and that happens at the ranch, I'm assuming, is that correct? Yes, it does. It happens at the ranch. So, um, you know, we work with these animals very carefully. We had, you know, a dog that came back, you know, he got adopted, he came back and the, the owners kept saying, every time we take this dog for a walk, he nips our hands, he bites our hands. Well, we, you got to assess that situation. That's the first question you ask is, why is this dog doing that? Well, our trainer assessed the situation and realized right off the bat, every time it was a uh, border collie cattle dog mix and every time a car or a bike went by, 
the dog's instinct was to chase. And since he was on a leash, he couldn't chase, so he would turn around and nip to get away from the leash so he could chase the car or chase Makes the sense. bike. Makes sense, right. Interesting. Okay. So we literally worked with this dog in a parking lot up at the ranch with our staff would drive by and we would redirect every time you know he would see that kind of movement and his instinct was to bolt and chase we would redirect and treat and reward and after you know a few months even the UPS guy could drive up the long yeah, dirt road and you know we we would walk by and he would do fine and so then he was adopted into a family and he's been having a great life that's so fascinating those are the kinds of things that we need to to assess and really be thoughtful about and then address and sometimes you know it takes a couple of months sometimes it takes longer we had a dog ed who we rescued from the Humane Society, who was a fear biter and very afraid of men, very afraid of small hallways. Um, and we just had to work with him over a year. And, you know, so many times, and we say to each other, because we tend to be like, oh, is anybody ever going to adopt Ed? Is Ed going to be okay? Be patient. Be patient. Because one, we have to get him to the place where he can be adopted, and two, then we have to educate and find the exact right adopter. And he actually went to a farm in Ohio, believe it or not. Well, that's interesting. Uh, so two things on that. So you do some kind of screening, if you will, for the families that adopt these dogs, and it sounds like you go out of state even. It's not just dogs in Utah that are, that are placed. That's right. Well, first of all, all of our employees, we call them matchmakers. and that's They're matchmakers. I like that. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a great It's more term. than just a cute name. Um, it really is what we do. And that means, and I do think that that is unique to Nuzzles & Co. Um, because we know our dogs so well. They are with us at the ranch day and night. They are with the staff. We know their strengths. We know their weaknesses. We know when they're ready to be adopted and to what kind of family. So so how do you do the other side? How do you assess someone else's uh, home? Do you actually do like home visits? Or how does that work with the other side of the matchmaking? Well, we try to be very non-judgmental about it. Because what we're trying to do is not judge a lifestyle. Sure. What we're trying to do is make a good match. So if you come in and you say, look, you know, I work. And when I come home, I just like to hang out on the couch. But I want someone to hang out with. And on the weekends, I love watching the game. I watch the games all weekend long. And I just want a buddy. Well, we're not going to line you up with a border collie or a What's, cattle yeah. dog uh -huh. that needs daily exercise. We're going to you know, we're going to give you maybe a little smaller dog or an older dog or a breed that, you know, isn't, or a particular dog that's not even a breed, but we know, okay, you know what, Sam, Sam loves to hang out on the couch. He'll help hold it down with you. This will be a great match. Or conversely, if somebody comes in and they're, I love to run with my dog or I want to be out on the trails. I want to go camping. I want a companion. I want to take him in my car. I just, that's the kind of dog I'm looking for. Well, we're going to definitely line you up with a more active, energetic dog. So it's a little bit like eHarmony for dogs and cats, a little bit. You've got this oh, eHarmony uh, e going on. <laughs> I love it. Oh, definitely. I want a Tinder app. You know, oh, there you, you go. Slide. Absolutely. <laughs> you get some extra bonus, like some, you should get some kind of fee for matchmaking. You know, oh, yeah. if it really works out, this is like an extra 10% or something, you know. But no, our just philosophy kidding. is to set the animal up for success. The cat and the dog should be set up for success. So when they get adopted and they go into their home, that's their forever loving home. 
And That's it impressive, works for truly. Everybody. Mm-hmm. What I like what you said there because I think what I sense from you and hearing this and knowing about your organization, what you're trying to do is really balance that responsibility to the whoever gets this pet with balancing what's best for the pet. And so by doing a lot of front end work of understanding what these pets are, you know, what really is going to work for them, and then balancing that with whoever wants the pet, trying to make that match, that is difficult. You can't just put people together and you know rifle through a bunch of lists no of dogs. So I really am impressed. I think most people are probably are surprised how much time goes into this. Uh, I don't think I never knew how much time it went into this. So I'm very impressed. Now, one other question on that: Do you have like on um, are these staff members that are, uh, for lack of a better term, like these um, counselors for these dogs that, that kind of figure out what's good for these dogs, or are these volunteers who does the assessment for these uh, individual pets? Uh, professional trainers, and then they've worked with and trained our staff. And so, you know, we'll have a color coding system for our, our dogs, you know, green, red, yellow. And um, then, you know, if it's a yellow, why is it a yellow? If it's a red, what's the treatment plan? So um, it's our staff and we, you know, if, if a dog needs to be socialized or, you know, needs to know how to ride in a car, I mean, there are certain very sophisticated volunteers with whom we've worked over the years who um, we can work with and you know but usually we want the volunteers to have a really good experience and a positive experience so they're going to take out our green dogs they're going to play with our social cats and keep them social but you've got those professional trainers that are really uh, kind of giving the key assessments and then training you as a staff member uh, or uh, someone who's involved in the organization. That's and then, great. you know, this, the other part of that is that when we have conversations with people who come into the adoption center and want to adopt is that, you know, there's full disclosure. You know, this is a dog that really isn't going to get along with any other dogs. And so you prepare them right up front. Yeah. So if you have other dogs... This is not going to work. This is not going to be a good match for you. Let us put you with, you know, another dog that will be a playmate to your dog and that you can relax and they'll have fun and you can have fun. Or, you know, we might have a cat that it wants to be an only cat. And so we need to make sure that those animals, they're completely adoptable, but they, we have to find the right home for them. And sometimes, you know, a dog wants to be an only dog or a cat wants to be an only cat and there are homes for them uh, that people are, you know I I don't have any other animals I just want a dog I have you know a fenced backyard it'll just be me and my dog that's great that's fine you know I'm not looking to go to the dog park or hang out you know socially with my dog and I just want a companion and that can be a good companion for them. It's very impressive. Again, just I'm impressed how much time is being put into that to really making sure this is a good match for both the, the, the person who's adopting and for the pet themselves. So I want to move a little bit on to, this is a nonprofit leadership podcast. You are a nonprofit. So talk about that. Why is it significant that you're a nonprofit versus a for-profit? And what are the unique challenges for this kind of rescue operation being a nonprofit? Well, you know, I think one of the things that is the challenge that we have is that um, we have, we survive solely on donations, like most nonprofits. That's, you know, that's our model. We have to ask people to help support us. It costs between 200 and 500 and sometimes more per animal that we rescue, and then our adoption fees are significantly less. So we don't make money by adopting out animals, uh, so that we have to make money by donations that will, you know, help us prepare the animals and get them adopted. So um, we have to, you know, focus on that aspect of it. But at the same time, we have 
gone out into the marketplace and tried to we're really trying to influence right now in our country uh, nationally about a little more than one out of four are going to adopt their next animal um, statistically. So twenty five percent now. Will it's adapt a little bit higher than twenty five percent, but yeah, it's about it, it averages out to you know about thirty percent. So here's what that means: every year there's about twenty three million people in the market looking to either replace a pet that has passed away or add a pet to their family or get a pet for the first time. And there are 9 million animals in shelters. And many of them are euthanized simply because they don't have a home. So if you look at that math, 23 million people. There's plenty of homes in a sense, right? There's plenty of homes. So what we really wanted to do was to influence those other people who, for whatever reason, have either had a poor experience or they don't, it, it's, it hasn't been a satisfying experience for them to go to a nonprofit animal rescue and adopt an animal. They instead purchase their animal. Now, there are some people that are committed to a certain breed um, or they want a certain, you know, um, they have a farm and they want a border collie or they have you know they they are committed to purchasing from a commercial source or a breeder and that's fine um that's not really who we're trying to influence so Mm -hmm. much but we're just trying to influence those people who you know it doesn't really matter to them um and maybe we do have the perfect purebred that they're looking for but how do we really reach out to them and influence them to come and adopt and that number is actually about estimates are about 17 or 16 million people who aren't really committed to purchasing their animal um, from a breeder because they want a certain kind of animal so that's still 16 million people a lot of and people 9 million animals so we need to do some matchmaking there and like so that was a little bit what we did with our rebrand was to just make it a little more mainstream, a little more consumer friendly so that we could reach those people who might say, I don't want to go to a shelter. It's scary or it's sad or it's secondhand or all they have are scary, aggressive animals. And so that was really a lot of what we wanted to do with our look and our feel. And now our new adoption center um, where you, we welcome people to come in and really interact. There, we took away the bars and the cages and said, "Come in and sit with the cats and play with the puppies." So, it was um, a real change in philosophy in how you do this. Yeah. So, in a way, but we're we're still nonprofit. We still rely on donations. So, we still have to, you know, make sure that people understand that. But at the same time, we're really trying to influence people who might not consider going to a nonprofit to get their next animal. So say someone's listening to this and they're interested in a dog, where do they go to find out more information about Nuzzles & Co. and perhaps how to adopt a dog or a cat? Well, we have our website, which is nuzzlesandco.org, and the and is spelled out. And on there is a Find Your Pet tab. And you just click on that and we update it weekly. Uh, when we have a big weekend, sometimes we run a little bit behind, but that's a good thing. That means lots of animals lots got Lots of adoptions, homes. right. <laughs> um, and... So you can see our animals there, and we have descriptions so you can know a little bit about them. And then we're always available by phone to answer more questions. We post them also regularly on social media. Um, so and Facebook and Twitter and, okay, perfect. And then if someone wants to donate, uh, how could they donate and support your cause? 
donate again we can simply go right onto our secure website and donate there and um, you can donate in honor of someone in memory of someone we have a lot of people who donate in memory of a pet or in honor of you know maybe they have a family member a friend whose pet has passed away and the way they provide comfort to that person is a gift to rescue animals and I think that's a really thoughtful uh, and and way to donate and so we encourage all of that kind of activity and we always send a card acknowledging the person's loss and honoring the memory of their pet. That's wonderful. Again, Kathleen Toth, it's been so fun to hear more about Nuzzles & Co. I learned a lot of things today. I thought I knew about your organization, but there's a lot of things that I probably, my guess is the listeners are going to learn about Nuzzles & Co. Again, check it out, nuzzlesandco.com. Dot org. Org, dot org and you can you can adopt a pet you can donate you can find out more about this great wonderful organization and again she's the president of the board and uh, if there's any other questions uh, give them a call check them out online Kathleen thanks so much for your time today thank you so much for having me you bet <laughs>